chain-smoking Greek taxi driver pulls into the airport taxi stand, picking up his last ride for the night. A bewildered-looking new arrival is standing on the curb. The cabbie pitches his standard line. Hey, I got a place for you. It's perfect. It's in the middle of the strip. Low rates, and the slots guarantee 98% returns. Dropping him off at the Desert Inn, a hotel he knows quite well, he heads home. He's got an early morning tomorrow. He's got a four-hour drive to Palm Springs, California, where he's been asked to caddy in the Pro-Am at the Bob Hope Desert Classic. This easygoing, Don Quixote mustachioed man with a silver fro moonlights as a caddy in the Desert Inn Golf Club. The next morning when he arrives in Palm Springs, he tosses his name next to a pro who he didn't think would show up because of a hip injury. That day changed the life for a humble cab driver and a caddy forever. His name was Angelo Argea, but he was also known as the Silver Creek. This is Beyond the Green. I'm Eric Cooper. Born Angelo George Ardropoulos in Canton, Ohio on November 7, 1929, Angelo's parents had moved here from Greece in their early 20s. His father worked the rest of his brief life at the Timken Roller Bearing Company as a grinder. Angelo was the youngest of four children. At eight years old, he started looking for somewhere to make some soda pop money, as well as contribute what little he could to the family pot. His older brother, Harry, was working as a caddy at a very private, exclusive course called Congress Lake Country Club. Located 13 miles outside of Canton, it was no easy trek without a car. Angelo tagged along with his brother one day and snagged a job off his brother's recommendation. He immediately felt at home there. Caddying, not the high-end country club. Congress Lake turned into an ideal place for a future tour caddy to learn the ropes. Every Monday during the summer months, the veteran caddies would hold clinics on the subtle art of bunker raking and divot repair. Angelo would caddy every weekend. He'd get up at 6 a.m. sharp, pack a lunch, then hitchhike the 13 miles to the golf course. He picked up his gambling habit at the course as well. A group of caddies and he visited a neighboring town and took on the best pool player there. They took him for every cent he had, which didn't please his friends, and chased them off threatening bodily harm. He was hooked ever since. With no career goals and a philosophy to live one day at a time, Angelo decided after turning 17 to drop out of school and join the army. He figured it was time to move on from Canton and see what other adventures were around the corner. He wasn't much of a ladder climber though. He never sought or attained a rank higher than private first class, and that was after being in the army for six years. He just felt that it was a good place to unload his baggage for a while. It wasn't easy though, as he spent a hellish year in Korea and saw a lot of action. He finally took permanent leave from the army in 1953 and returned to Canton. After a year of tending bar and playing cards, Angelo started contemplating his next move. Now, where does a guy go, one that thrives on chance, likes to mix drinks, as well as consume them, and loves women? His choice was already made. Angelo moved to Las Vegas with the plan to enroll in dealer school, 
but before he could, he hit the casinos and lost every penny he saved. He was destitute, not a dime for a crappy lukewarm cup of coffee or a pillow for his head. But as luck would have it, he met a fellow who caddied at the Desert Inn Country Club and suggested there might be an opening for another looper. Angelo mustered all the experience he had from Congress Lake, introduced himself, and got the job. To further his betting fund, Angelo ended up driving a cab around Vegas as well, picking up tourists along the strip. He quickly forgot about his dealer ambitions when he started carrying bags for big tippers like Frank Sinatra, Vic Damon, Louis Prima, the former owner of the Desert Inn, Wilbur Clark, and Hank Greenspan, the publisher of the Las Vegas Sun. Increasing exposure to these VIP types was about to pay off. On a mildly cold day in February of 1963, a man named Allard Roan, who was part owner of the Desert Inn at the time, asked if Angelo would work for him in the Pro-Am at the upcoming Bob Hope Desert Classic in Palm Springs. The offer was hard to turn down, free meals and lodging, and a plump check after it was over. So Angelo accepted and invited a fellow caddy along, Hank Podalski. They picked up a cheap rental car and they were on their way. Arriving at Indian Wells Country Club, an oasis with canyons and vistas with a backdrop of the Santa Rosa Mountains, they were told by the caddy master that there was a shortage of caddies, so they were requiring all caddies to sign up with the pros first and whoever was left over would go with the amateurs. Angelo, wanting to caddy for his friend Allard Roan, thought his best chance was to sign up with a pro who most likely wouldn't play that week. He heard that Jack Nicholas was suffering from a hip injury and might skip the event and return to Florida instead, so Angelo put his name next to Jack's. Well, Jack showed up, and he won. Of course Angelo had heard of Nicholas's superhuman feats, what he did in his amateur career, and of course winning the 1962 US Open in his freshman year on tour. He knew Nicholas was going to be a good player, but did not expect what was to come. It was a good thing Jack and Angelo got along. The first pairing Jack said of Angelo, to make an understatement, I got along fine with Angelo. He was dependable, fun to be with, and he knew how to handle me on the golf course, my good moods and my bad moods, right off the bat. That's an essential quality for any caddy. Angie knew when to talk and when not to, which in this type of high pressure situation requires more sensitivity than you might think. And that's basically why he became my caddy. Before leaving Palm Springs, Angelo did what any smart caddy with an ounce of foresight would do, ask for another job. It just so happened that the Tournament of Champions was being held at the Desert Inn Country Club in Las Vegas in three months' time. Jack's response was simple. Sure. When the Tournament of Champions rolled around, Angelo strolled up to the caddy master and informed him that he was all set to work with Jack Nicholas. Of course the caddy master didn't believe him and told Angelo that he would have his random pick like everyone else. He didn't want some undeserving novice to get Jack's bag, so he immediately went looking for Jack. When Angelo found him and told him what happened, Jack calmly led Angelo back to the caddy master and told him that Angelo had his bag. After that was settled, Jack went on to calmly win the tournament. Angelo asked again to work for Jack at the next West Coast tournament, the Sahara Invitational, and Jack again responded, sure, but with feeling this time. Jack went on to win that tournament by one stroke, and sort of adopted Angelo after that. Angelo would cover his West Coast swing, while Jack had caddies at every other stop, 
Doral, New Orleans, Houston, Atlanta, etc. But as the years went by, Jack slowly dropped each caddy and had Angelo fly out. By 1968, Angelo was working for Jack full-time. Angelo still had his bout with Las Vegas, though. He still loved gambling and drinking and the women. He'd win big, lose it all, and try again. His biggest winnings was $21,000 at the craps table in one night. His erratic lifestyle never affected his job with Jack, though, until it did, and everything nearly came crashing down. The year's 1970, and by this point, Jack had already won the PGA, the British Open, three Masters, and the US Open, twice. Everything was copacetic with Jack and Angelo. They landed back in Las Vegas in October for the Sahara Invitational. It was a homecoming for Angelo. With all the traveling around with Jack, Angelo hadn't been home in a while. So he decided to go out on the town with a few friends, seeing as Jack was playing his best golf and that this tournament would be another easy win. Jack's tea time the following morning was 9.16 a.m. Angelo stayed up all night, getting back to his hotel room around 7.30 in the morning. He wasn't feeling too bad when he got back. His plan was simply to jump in the shower and head to the course. But he never made it to the shower. He mistakenly plopped on the bed and fell fast asleep. The next thing he sees through his bloodshot eyes are the bold numbers of 10 and 30. As he turned his head around the room, he noticed one more important thing. There in the corner are Jack's clubs. Angelo sped to the golf course, ignoring all red lights, utterly fearing what kind of inferno was awaiting him when he got there. As he rushed to the first tee, hoping against all hope that Jack's tee time was somehow postponed, he heard a fellow caddy holler, Hey Angie, your man teed off without you. Where were you? Feeling suicidal at this point, Angelo sat down on the closest bench with his head in his hands. Jack had apparently gone into the pro shop at the last minute when it was clear Angelo wasn't coming and bought a set of clubs and a bag and rushed to the first tee. Jack shot a 76 that day. Angelo dropped Jack's bag off at the pro shop and headed back to his hotel. He considered disappearing, becoming another missing persons case. Instead, Angelo decided to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with who he assumed would be his former boss and try to salvage his job. So that evening, Angelo knocked on Jack's hotel door. The conversation went pretty much like this. Am I working tomorrow? No, you are not working tomorrow. Well, am I fired? I'm going to punish you for a while. I want to make you suffer like I suffered when I was waiting for those clubs to show up. Angelo did not caddy that tournament. Jack had hired a local kid to carry his bag for the weekend. Angelo did not caddy for Jack for another four months after that either. Jack had gone back to having different caddies at each stop. Angelo was broke, still with a gambling problem and a drinking problem, and Lady Vegas was not helping. So he packed what little items he had left and moved to a small beach town just north of San Diego called Encinitas. Angelo picked up a caddying gig at the nearby La Costa and began his recuperation. From drinking, from gambling, from Las Vegas. In December, Angelo decided to make a move. The Bing Crosby National Pro-Am at Pebble Beach was coming up in January and he thought that would be the best place to make his final pitch. He drove up with some of his caddy friends and while they tried to find a bag to carry, he did too, heading straight to Jack's room. Jack answered the door and Angelo asked, I'd like to caddy for you here. 
Jack already had a caddy for this tournament, but said he would let Angelo carry for him at next week's tournament, the San Diego Open. Angelo was back on the bag. Angelo stayed in Encinitas another two years before moving to Florida on Jack's recommendation. Being so far from the clutches of Las Vegas, he finally felt at home. Angelo worked for Jack until December of 1981, winning over 40 tournaments together over an 18-year span, which is longer than most back in that time. Unfortunately, Angelo was let go after not scouting out a pin placement at the Pinehurst Hall of Fame tournament. Jack said of Angelo, he has lost his enthusiasm. There was apparently several instances over the last few years that minor infractions like that happened, and it added up. Angelo snagged a bag on the senior tour for a short while, with Miller Barber, but after caddying for Jack Nicholas, what else could you want to do? He decided to start measuring golf courses. He started a yardage book company, working mainly for Golden Bear International, but other courses on the PGA circuit as well. Angelo and Jack's relationship didn't sour after his release. Angelo asked to caddy for Jack when he got on the senior tour, and Jack obliged. In 1990, Angelo was seen carrying the bag for a few tournaments. Jack said, it's always nice to spend time with an old friend. Angelo also set up multiple caddy programs at Jack Nicholas's developments Old Marsh Country Club and Frenchman's Creek Country Club. For his work with Jack, and for promoting the important role of the caddy in the game of golf, Angelo was inducted into the Caddy Hall of Fame in 1999. Angelo Argia died on October 10, 2005, at the age of 75, after a courageous battle with liver cancer. This laborer of the links became almost as recognizable as the golfer whose bag he carried for 18 years. A young Greek kid from Canton, Ohio, who thought he wouldn't live up to anything, landed the best gig of his life. A winning lottery ticket, he would say. One he had to fight to keep. A pairing no one would ever forget. The Golden Bear and the Silver Greek. This episode of Beyond the Green was written by me, Eric Cooper. Music credits are in the show notes. Until next time.